You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. Michael, what's going on? Good to see you, man. To the Forging Fury. Forging Fury. Forging Fury podcast. I love this music. Pretty much the best thing I've heard all day. Thank God we got rid of that old music. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and on today's episode of the Forging Fury podcast, we are with a very close friend of mine, my old coach, old partner in crime, Josh Jeffrey. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Thank you for having me on. It's, it's an honor to be talking with you today. Dude, It's it's been a long time coming. You're definitely a guest I've wanted to have on for a long time. I've actually been on your podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast real quick. Yeah, you know, my, uh, my friend, colleague, and business partner, Brandon Vaughn, and I have a uh, podcast called The Better Faster Podcast that has a lot of a PT focus on it, uh, you know, from physical therapy standpoint, but strength conditioning too. And, and we try to have a nice range of guests um, talking about, you know, either new things in the field or innovative, innovative ways of thinking, or, uh, you know, really think that people that can just add to the conversation. So we've been uh, lucky to have you on there twice now, man. It's been, been fun both times. We'll have to get round three at some point. Well, apparently there was another guy that's been on there for two times now. So I got to reclaim my throne as, as the most visited guest. <laughs> yeah, we did have a, a second person get their second one. Uh, one of our, our PTs at Vertex. Yeah, so, I noticed. Uh, yeah, trust me. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to come back for the crown. Yeah, I got to come back. The people's champ. What I want to start off with a little bit, Josh, is let you talk a little bit. Give me a brief bio about what you do. Well, actually, let's start exercise or like sports, schooling, and then where you are now. Oh, man. All right. I'll try to keep it uh, short if I can. Um, so, you know, sports and fitness and that kind of culture yeah. and lifestyle has been a big part of my uh, life for a really long time. Um, playing everything from when you, you know, start growing up, growing up, but, uh, Baseball became uh, my main focus, and was lucky enough to continue on and play that in college, and and loved it. But as you know, I loved the training aspect, and the preparation as much as I loved actually playing the game. And so, you know, a natural fit for me when that um, career was over was uh, was finding CrossFit. So it became uh, first, you know, as an athlete, you know, in this new sport where you know I still had a reason to train hard and to love going to the gym every day, and then um, eventually into to coaching. So. Um, I'm originally from Ohio, but I moved to Carolina where we met in Columbia um, to go to the University of South Carolina for graduate school. Um, I knew I wanted to get into coaching and strength conditioning. So I came down to Carolina to do my uh, master's in exercise science. Um, And at that time, I was lucky enough to work in the strength conditioning department for USC and then also begin coaching at Carolina CrossFit. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you know, that was way back in uh, 2013, that whole process started. And, that seems so long ago. It's crazy how long it seems ago. But uh, yeah, so that was, you know, 2013. And, you know, I thought for um, a while, I wanted to be, a, you know, in the collegiate strength conditioning world. But I realized quickly, I loved the private sector. I loved CrossFit. I loved that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, I figured that was where my life was going to go. And, um it was lucky enough to, to have a great community and a great coaching staff at CCF that to really get started uh, and to have that, uh, you know, that mentorship there with some great coaches. I know you've had Joey on here and we've talked, you talked about Paul before. So, um, mm. you know, we've been lucky enough to have those guys and, and me getting to coach with you side by side for, for a couple of years too. Um, you know, it was a great chance to continue to grow and, and really figure out what I wanted to do. And, all the while, I found that, you know, I love CrossFit. I love doing these group classes. I love that kind of thing. But what I really was passionate about was more of, you know, taking that one individual in front of me and how can I best serve them? How can I, you know, figure out what they truly need and then also provide, like, the, the support outside of the gym to help them reach their goals? And so it led me kind of this path uh, down this path of individual design. Um, and so uh, and that's kind of that's what I currently do now is I move more into uh, you know, working with individuals one-on-one, helping them, you know, de- you know, designing a training program that's appropriate for them and then trying to figure out the, the nutrition and lifestyle support outside of that too, to make sure they're getting the most out of it. Um, and we started a company to do that um, with a friend, you know, a friend of ours, Steve Keys, a big shout out to Steve for helping big me get that off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Helping me get that off the ground um, in uh, late 2015, early 2016, we started Carolina performance training with uh, more of that individual design mindset. Uh, and about that time too, um, again, shout out to, to Brandon Bonner, I've already mentioned, um, Brandon was in the gym, you know, as a PT working with, uh, the athletes. And every time I see him doing something, I was like, man, I want to, I want to learn more about that. I want to be able to do that too. Uh, so it ended up deciding to go, uh, down that, the PT route too. And so, uh, stayed at Carolina, 
finishing up physical therapy school. I actually have done everything required for for that. So now it's just waiting for graduation in December. So I'm, I'll be uh, you know graduate my doctor of physical therapy in December, Hell and yeah. now it's just studying. Yeah, now it's just studying for the board exam I take uh, this upcoming week. So uh, assuming that that goes well, I'll be able to practice uh, around the start of the new year. Um, and I'll get to do a little bit of everything. I'll get to see um, patients uh, about half the time. I'll get to work with athletes about half the time. Um, so I, I feel like I'm getting to live the you know the best of both worlds in that regard. That's definitely a dream scenario for anyone that is as passionate as helping people as you are. I've just been a close friend of yours for a long time, and I just got tired telling you like listening to your story. I just got really tired, man. This guy, <laughs> this guy, Josh Jeffrey is like one of the hardest working individuals I've ever met. He doesn't, he doesn't stop. He like finds something that he loves and he just chases after that thing until he owns it. And until he, until it's his. So this guy for the last maybe five, six years that I've known him is just, has been an inspiration to watch. He does not stop. This guy is a, is a magician. He is a wizard. He is all of the things. So me and Josh really got close through our time at Carolina and it's just this guy is, is 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 a very smart wealth of knowledge that I think everyone needs to hear a little bit more of. Oh man, those are kind words, my friend. Those hey, are very kind well, words. I before we get it. into more of that deep, deeper stuff, um, you just you got married a couple of months ago, huh? I did, man. I met, my beautiful I, I met, wife Kelsey, and <laughs> yeah, it was a hell of a trip, man. <laughs> I know. I thank you. Yeah, I was lucky enough to have you standing up there with me. Um, you know, that was an awesome experience, and uh, of course, appreciate the effort. It's a long way to go from Arizona all the way. I got married in Connecticut. So that's a that's a long trip. So uh, it really meant a lot. It, it was, was worth. And, uh, it was worth it, man. Yeah. It, it was first of all, Connecticut was beautiful, which I'd never been before, and and literally, I'm maybe two or three hours off the plane, and Josh says, "Well, do you want to work out?" We we grab these dumbbells <laughs> out of uh, Kelsey's father's house, and we do this swim workout with dumbbells. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is why we're friends. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they're lucky to live on a lake. So a little oh, bit, hop out, do some, some dumbbell snatches, some air squats, and then hop in the water, dude, swim out to the buoy and back. It was, it was a fun time, man. It was yeah. amazing. Um, and first of all, when I'm coming from the desert, like there is no trees, no foliage, no grass. And then I just pop out of a car into Connecticut, and it is this green, lush, like beautiful mm-hmm. place. And I was just so happy to be there. Yeah, man, it was a fun time, and we're, we're, I guess, three months in, and she's still putting up with me, so right. things, things are good. I was about to say, has, <laughs> much, has much changed at all? No, not too much has changed, man. I think uh, we're both so busy right now. We haven't really, uh, uh, you know, nothing you know, about our daily lives really changed too much. We're actually about to go on our, our honeymoon officially, you know, now that school will be done. We kind of push the honeymoon back. We, uh, we leave for Italy here in a couple of weeks, so uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure that will be a fun trip, and then uh, we'll, we'll settle into to full-on married life. Well, I'm just going to need you to relax while you're on vacation, please, for for her sake. And if I know you, like I think I know you, you just need to take some time and relax and enjoy. You'll have to give me a full recap on that because I actually would would looking uh, to go to Europe in the fall or in the in the spring as well. So you'll have to yeah, catch man, me up on sure. that. Um, let's yeah. get into a little bit more of a uh, vertex vertex strength. Yeah. Actually, like we started. With, well, we well, you started the company a long time ago, and it was formerly known as Carolina Performance Training, and we kind of switched and moved forward to Vertex Strength. And let's talk about that individual design, and what do you what do you really uh, what kind of athletes do you work with, and how do you help them the most? Yeah, man. So um, you're right. We had we had a merger. I was lucky enough when when my business partners Brandon and Jim they had started Vertex Physical Therapy Specialists were were chatting with me about kind of potentially, you know, maybe working there one day after I graduated. I already had CPT going. I kind of threw the idea out there to them. I was like, what if we could bring this whole thing together? And we were fortunate enough to able to, to do that. So now we have Vertex, PT, and Performance all together, which is, uh, you know, so awesome. And we opened up a new facility where, you know, one side of the facility is uh, a PT clinic. The other side is a gym. And, and you know, it'd be my, my dream scenario. But um, we work with, you know, individuals, uh, you know, kind of all across the lifespan, all across ability levels. Um, the nice thing is on, you know, with us, we have uh, some great people on staff that have uh, their own niche and their own specialty, and, and we're able to accommodate a lot of different things. You know, we already had Joey on here, and Joey is phenomenal, a phenomenal coach, and having him on staff, and, and you know, he's very interested in digging in deeper into people's lifestyles and helping them if they have, you know, more of, of some chronic issues or they're newer to fitness. Like, you know, he thrives in that area. And then for me, I love working with, um, you know, 
uh, uh, you know, hiring CrossFitters and that kind of thing, and really getting down into the intricacies of program design and trying to figure out how I can get them 1% better because they're already so great and they're already closer to their maximum potential. So we have to get really creative of how we're going to continue on from there. And so we get to serve a lot of different people, uh, which is which is awesome. I love that. So a lot of our uh, people that come to us either are, you know, CrossFitters who have, um, you know, been doing, uh, you know, their group classes or, or blog training or whatever it is for a long period of time. And maybe they hit a plateau or maybe they feel like they need a little bit more of an individual focus. So we work with people either in the Columbia area that come to us or uh, remotely. And uh, that that's a great, that's really more the area where I, uh, you know, spend a lot of my time. And then we also get people uh, a lot of times from the PT side or, uh, you know, they, they've just finished up, you know, rehabbing from something or, or they're, they're to a point where they're, they're done with physical therapy services but they're not really done from everything they need to do. So it's an easy transition over to our fitness side to be able to pick up where PT left off and, and continue on to help them get back to what they want to be doing. So uh, we're lucky enough to kind of work with all different types of people and that, and that keeps it fun and interesting. All the while, we try to make sure that e- with each of those individuals, uh, since it's so important, focusing on helping them with the outside the gym stuff, helping them with uh, you know, learning the, the basics of nutrition, what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, uh, you know, uh, diving into more of their sleep uh, and, and stress manage- management and, and trying to build habits and help change behaviors and really help them get the most out of any training that they are doing. So uh, we try to take a, a little bit more of that whole, uh, you know, whole person approach, whether it be, uh, you know, somebody that is you know, a, you know, for new to fitness or, or they're coming back from injury versus somebody that's trying to train for the CrossFit game. So, yeah. uh, it, it's really a fun time, man. We're, we're very fortunate to have a, a pretty great group of people. You, uh, you said earlier that you have a lot of remote athletes. What would you say the hardest part about coaching remotely is? Oh man, uh, that it, there are some difficulties with that, man. I'm not going to lie. I think the, the hardest part is, uh, the delayed feedback aspect. And it works okay with people who are, who are already really proficient with movement. So, uh, somebody like yourself, like when you, if you send me a video of the snatch and I give you some, some stuff to work on, you know, you're able to take that feedback after the fact and start to implement it into the next, uh, the next session. Uh, but a lot of times I wish if somebody was maybe not as proficient with the movement or something that I want to correct with them, I wish it could be more real time from a feedback perspective. And so, uh, that can be, uh, a little bit of a barrier mm. um, that that's part of it. And then also just the making sure that I do a great job on my end of train uh, of communicating exactly what I'm looking for with a specific piece or a specific session. So that way that that person's not just spinning their wheels um, because if I don't do a great job of communicating um, and I've had just make assumptions like, Oh, they're going to perform this, this way, or they're going to use this type of weight, or, you know, they're going to keep this moderate, or they're going to go heavy here. If I just assume that happen, that's going to happen the way in my mind, I want it to happen. There's probably going to be a kind of a mismatch there occasionally. So for me, I have to do a good job of really communicating effectively of what I want them to get out of that session or what the focus is or why we're doing it and what kind of loading to use and what kind of intensity to go and, and so on and so forth. Uh, it just is, it, it makes, my job a little bit more difficult and I just have to be a little bit more thorough. Mm. Uh, but other than those, I guess those primary uh, barriers there, you know, the, the delayed feedback aspect and then the potential uh, communication issue, depending on how well um, I communicate to them. Um, the only other thing is making sure that the individual is bought in enough to really be great about from a result standpoint, because if I don't really you know, I'm not actively watching every set that they do in this scenario. So getting feedback on how it felt, how it went, what pacing strategy they went, what they were thinking during, um, you know, how they, you know, their, their energy levels before, during, and after, uh, you know, that data and that information from that person helps me know what to do next and how to adjust their program. So uh, there really is a demand for um, good communication. Uh, and that can be difficult too, especially if someone is more, um, reserved or, uh, you know, you know, the introspective and they're not active, you know, yeah. big on communication anyway, that can be a little bit difficult, but, um, for the most part, man, those are, are minor limitations. You can really have great, uh, you know, remote coach client relationships. Um, you know, as long as, you know, as I'm as thorough as possible and that person puts forth the effort from their side on, uh, you know, getting me the results and the feedback, you can really make some great progress. 
So me and Josh have maybe been working together. Josh is my coach, if you guys don't know. We've been working together for maybe two or three years now. And I think Josh knows me and he spent the time and we just have a great relationship. And I'm pretty sure this is what all of his athletes are like. But Josh can probably look at a workout and like for all the athletes that he works with, they're probably like, okay, I know that this is probably going to be a limiting factor for you. Like he knows his athletes so well that that it's it's almost like we're friends that he's also my coach. Like he knows a lot of his guys really, really, really well. So, I mean, that's just kudos to Josh and the relationships he's built over time. But that's, I mean, most of your guys are, are really close friends. Yeah, no, I think that that is something that's big too, man. So we're lucky enough to already have, you know, friendships prior to a a working coach and client relationship, kind of like uh, you and I, or if it's somebody that is, you know, somebody that I don't know personally, and I'm getting to know them during this process. Um, you know, I've heard you say it a million times. And I love it. And I feel this line. And I still don't know if it was uh, something that you came up with or not, but I always give you credit for it about, you know, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And um, that's such a, a big component of this is like my job initially too, is just to develop that rapport, develop that relationship with the individual. So that way, you know, they can tell that I'm invested in them and I'm not just somebody sitting behind a keyboard, uh, you know, that, that, you know, it's just they're spitting stuff to them because it's my job. It's more about, you know, I'm invested in their success. And so for them, uh, you know, for me, if I can help create that relationship, foster that relationship, um, it is going to help us in all sides um, because you can write the perfect program or have the perfect plan laid out, but the person isn't truly bought in or doesn't truly believe in it or doesn't truly believe in you as the coach, then you're not, you know, you're not going to get much out of it, even if it's exactly what that person needs. So for me, it is a lot about developing that relationship and, and trying to get to know that person. Um, and, and I think that ends up, you know, is what helps us have success in the long run. Yeah. I, Josh is a very modest guy as well, but he's actually had some really, really cool feats as an athlete. He was a regional athlete two times, right? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be on teams back in the day when it wasn't uh, when it wasn't so hard to get there. <laughs> and he and he also has coached a, a an athlete to the games. Like I don't know, I think you're the Steve Spurrier of CrossFit, man. Like to participate and then to coach. Like I feel like that's not a lot of things. That doesn't happen a lot. Like I feel like that's pretty cool. Let's talk a little bit about uh, that experience with Ethan and being a coach and how to, how was that whole experience as you as a coach actually having one of your athletes make it to the CrossFit Games. Oh man, yeah, that was a uh, an incredible experience all around, man. And uh, it, it, kudos to him first and foremost because again, like I can write the perfect program or any coach can write the perfect program, but that person has to be bought in. They have to put in the effort and they have to really make sure everything in their life it revolves around it when that goal is you know when when it's at that level. So um, you know it was a, a really fun process when I started with E back in in twenty. I guess it was 2016. Um, he was already a great athlete, but he's, you know, 20 years old. He really didn't have a lot of experience. He was already really strong uh, and some, really had a lot of talent already. You could already see it. So it's one of those people who, when they tell you they, they want to go to the CrossFit Games, you're actually like, you know, that's not an unrealistic goal. Um, and usually it's the opposite around. You know, I get some people that will come to me and they tell me like, oh, I have this big, lofty goal. And that's awesome. I want people to dream big. But sometimes you, you already know it, you know, after talking with them and watching them move and working with them, that it might not be uh, realistic for them to expect to to actually reach that point um, for, for whatever the reason may be. Well, this was somebody that, you know, you could see he, he was special. There was something there. Um, and so uh, kudos to him for also just buying in and trusting the process. We moved, We went from not qualifying to regionals to qualifying to regionals and, and finishing like 12 to qualifying for regionals again, almost winning his region in the open and then actually finishing the top five at regionals and, and making it to the game. It was like a walk off um, performance. Yeah. Like the last, when he qualified yeah. for the games, he like, what was the last yeah. workout? Wasn't it like sandbag and cleans? What was it? Uh, it was, he had the very last one. So he was in like fourth, I think going into the final event, mm. the top five go. And the last one had, I remember it had rope climbs. In it. I can't remember the exact workout. It's maybe thrusters and rope climbs. Um, but something like that, but I remember it had rope climbs in it and that is something that is, you know, we've made a ton of progress with, but you know, he's also almost 230 pounds. So one of the bigger, big you know? Yeah. So the, the, you know, that is, is something that maybe never will be an elite movement for him, but, uh, we felt really good about how far he'd come with it and he needed to finish like eighth or ninth in the workout to secure it. And he had, you know, Travis Mayer was sitting right behind him in the standings. And when you have a veteran like that, who's an incredible athlete, you know, they're going to come out and they're going to do what they need to do on that workout. So it's more of like, okay, can we hold on here? Um, 
And, you know, we went into the mindset of we're going to run our race. We know we've tested this in practice. We know what we can do. And he went out there and he ran a great race. He did exactly what he could do. And I had in my mind, he hit qualified based on the points. I was like, I think he finished. I think it was like seventh on the last workout and he needed to finish top like eight or nine. I was like, I think he made it. I think he got it. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he got it. I didn't want to say anything. So we're all just sitting there waiting and they announced it from first on. So they, oh, they God. Four, yeah, so they get to four and they don't say his name. And I thought he had gone to fifth because John Colty was right behind him mm. in fifth in the standings and won the last workout and crushed it. So I oh, thought he was going to jump him. So I figured, I was like, okay, I think he's in fifth. And we sit there and then they're, they're just, there's the camera on him. There's a camera on Travis and you're sitting there and you're waiting. And then they say his name and, and it was just, it's almost a surreal feeling, man. You yeah. know, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, but then the next thing in my mind was like, man, the work just started. You know, we yeah, got, exactly. you know there's, this is uh, this is awesome. We're going to enjoy it, but then it's right back to work. And, um, you know, that was honestly the most stressful I've had from a <laughs> perspective was, was not even like during the regionals event um, and during that time, but the preparation leading into the games, because it was such a, uh, such a new and unique experience for me that um, I really, I, I, you know, I made sure that I wasn't going to be the limiting factor in his performance. Mm. So I started reaching out to other coaches and I have to give shout outs to uh, some great coaches that, you know, gave me a lot of their time, a lot of times for free, man, which just shows how great this community is. You know, I, I had, um, you know, calls with my, my coach in Cincinnati. Steve has been, uh, he's taking athletes to games. I talked with, you know, Mike Lee from Big Dogs who had had taken athletes to game. I talked to uh, my, my buddy, um, Adam at Training Think Tank. And I talked to, you know, from nutrition perspective for Ethan, you know, we got Mike Castelli involved in Nova 3, who's awesome and is great at what he does. And, you know, these guys were so great with their time and, and they just want to help people too. And you mm. realize that like, man, it's a sport and we're competing, but there are so many awesome people in this sport and, and in this community that they all helped me help, you know, my, uh, you know, get my thoughts together and formulate my process and gave me tips and gave me advice on, on what things to think about in, in the training leading up. So I felt like we had a really great plan in place. And so it really took a team there. Um, and then it also took a lot of team with, with the guys around Ethan at his gym. Cause he also, is, uh, he owns a gym, even though he's, I think he just turned 24, uh, you know, so he's still, you know, young and he actually already owned a gym at that point. And, you know, he had to get, his coaches had to pick up extra hours so he could train. His family had to help clean the gym so he could spend time, you know, meal prepping. You know, it's, it's one of those things that it takes, uh, you know, a, it truly takes like a village to get this kind of thing done. And uh, it was such a cool process to go through um, and to see everybody all united behind like one goal and one person. And, and uh, he put the work in. We get to Madison. Um, it was a fun week. Uh, he put in some, you know, some great efforts in there. A couple of things didn't go our way, you know, um, in terms of the event. You know, we got, uh, you know, kicked in the face in the swim and swallowed some water and coughing up some stuff in the beginning of that event. <laughs> so that, you know, unlo- you know, those massive starts where everybody starts together. That was yeah. unlucky. And a little bobble on a clean and jerk on the speed ladder, you know, just got out of, you know, the weight got in front of him a little bit on a weight that really isn't an issue for him. So little things like that, that when you're young and you're new and you're going through, uh, something for the first time, like, you know, things happen, but overall did really well. And, uh, it was, you know, once in a lifetime experience, man, it was, uh, so much fun. When it came to, uh, programming for the games, like what we, it's such a, such a vast test. It's such a big, like so many different domains and, uh, and implements. What were your thoughts? Like what were your, uh, what were your main objectives getting him ready for the games? Yeah, man, that you're right. It is so different than anything else. I feel at that point, I felt really confident getting people prepared for the Open because I've been doing that for years. I felt pretty confident now because it was maybe my third or fourth year of having athletes compete at regionals. So I felt really confident preparing for those tests. But when you start to look at the games and everything that happens there, you, you have so many different events that aren't tested at any other stage of the competition. You have loads that aren't used at, uh, at any other stage of the competition. The accumulative volume is you know, larger than anywhere else in, in, in throughout the season. And then also just the duration, you know, going for four or five days in a row, it's longer than it's any other of of competition. Yeah. So you have so many new variables that you're not used to. Um, so for me, you know, and again, shout out to the coaches that, that helped me kind of, as I was synthesizing this, you know, there are some themes that, that tend to come, you know, to come out during this. So uh, we, you know, for us, it was looking, okay, well, what are some of these longer events from, you know, an aerobic development standpoint, where, what do we need to address? Um, you know, so we, we wanted to make sure we were prepared for that kind of thing. Of course, his year ended up having the marathon road. So it's a good thing we did. He actually, uh, had a top 10 finish on that one. So it was good that we, um, 
really focused on on making sure we're prepared for longer events like that. But it, it's stuff like that. It's getting in the pool more. It's working with different implements you don't see uh, at other um, other types of, of competitions. Uh, a lot of it too is learning how to structure your day and getting your body comfortable at, at being ready to go at different times. So if, you know, by the end of his prep, you know, we're hitting three sessions in a day on Friday and Saturday, uh, and maybe two on Sunday to mimic kind of more of that competition. But it's, it, they're not necessarily, you know, high volume sessions, but it's more about that getting up, doing something, relaxing, resting, getting mm. your body prepared again, doing something, relaxing, resting. And then also there are other themes with the games to, to take into account. All the cool, sexy, classic CrossFit type stuff tends to be at night under the lights, you know, in the Coliseum, that kind of thing that are like the, the main focus. So, you know, that's when we would hit those types of sessions. And then when is the boring, long aerobic stuff? Well, usually, you know, he ended up having the marathon row. Yeah, evening, that was literally usually, the yeah, worst. Yeah, usually those are early in the morning, though. It's usually they get to the beach at six or seven in the morning and you go and you do that because it's not the spectator friendly event. So um, for us, you know, we structure training a lot like that. He might have a day where, it's, you know, in the morning we're getting up and he's doing a, you know, a an hour worth of, you know, rowing, biking and running and then, you know, going home, resting, you know, going through what, you know, a, you know, his, you know, nutrition protocol that, uh, you know, we had developed and with help from Mike, obviously for that. And then, you know, come back in the middle of the day, and hit, you know, maximum effort, effort lifting, and then, uh, you know, go back home, same thing, come back, hit a nasty eight minute, uh, you know, couplet that leaves you on the floor afterwards in the evening, you know, to kind of mimic a lot of what he was going to have to go through. Um, yeah. And then, you know, getting out different implements that you're not going to see, you know, a lot more of like axle bars and stones and sandbags and pegboards and, you know, um, different types of sled work and, you know, mixing, you know, a ton of swimming in there and, and you know, other stuff like triple unders and, and things that you're just not necessarily going to see at other stages of competition. It, it was, you know, determining where he was on a lot of these skills what needed to be prioritized, so what things that he naturally picked up well and could have carry over from other you know elements of his fitness and what things we really needed to focus on and prioritizing those because mm-hmm. we had maybe eight weeks, so it's not a ton of time. Not, um, not a lot of time when, at all yeah, from a pro- right, programming right. aspect. Right. Yeah, so we're not going to make tons of huge increases in overall fitness. It was more about making sure he was prepared. So I had to do a really good job of controlling his volume mm. so that way he had enough volume built in to feel confident but not too much volume in training leading in so it was like okay well when are we going to peak our volume when are we going to have i ended up having like a mini deload type week during that eight weeks to kind of like it was almost like a uh, a wave where it was like volume kind of peaked and then we came down a little bit and then we had a second peak that was a little bit higher leading in and it was like little things like that to make sure that we weren't we were getting the volume in that we needed but we didn't overtrain. Um, and that's a fine line. And that was another thing where me not having experience with it, I mm. relied a lot on impact, input from, from other people and then communication from him on how he was feeling throughout it. Um, so it was, it was definitely a cool process, but uh, it, it took a lot of effort and energy to make all that happen. Well, that was uh, the, the hardest part for me. Like, I mean, I haven't been to the CrossFit Games yet because I got that positive mindset. But um, <laughs> but, but going to Granite Games, like the last couple of years, like that was the hardest part. Like the physical like aspects of it, the volume, like wasn't the hard part. It was, you know, working as hard as you could, 110% effort, and then having a two to three hour break, working again as hard as you can. Like for that, I mean, like you said, even an eight minute AMRAP and then resting and then going back and forth and like, I can totally attest that that's the hardest part. I mean, from my standpoint as a competitor is like stopping going, stopping going. And then uh, the Mm -hmm. overall fatigue of the weekend, I mean, by Sunday when we were in Minnesota, it was like, it was hard for me to even get my body going to warm up. Like, so I can't imagine add another day to that, but and add even more intensity to that. Cause I mean, I was competing on a team of four and he is an individual. I can only imagine how hard it was just for his body to get going again. Yeah. I mean, thankfully he's young and resilient and able to put up with a lot of volume too, but also the big aspect of it was focusing on the recovery. And so mm. that was where having the nutrition dialed in, having the sleep dialed in, you know, he, was one of the people that had to coach morning classes at a gym for a while, but he was able to get friends and family to help coach in the morning so he could sleep more. And, you know, it takes, uh, you know, it takes that, that army of people to be able to make that happen because it's, you know, you have to do so much from a recovery standpoint to be able to put that volume into training. And then the week of a lot of it was, um, you know, or the week, actual week of the games was recovery between events. It was getting mm-hmm. body work done. It was getting a nap here and there. It was making sure you had your nutrition, nutrition dialed in. Uh, yeah. because yeah, it's, 
it's a beat down for sure. It almost becomes a little bit of, you know, survival mode um, for, you know, over the course of such a long, uh, you know, group of events. Well, as sexy as the CrossFit Games sound, um, let's, I want to talk a little bit about my individual experience with you as a coach. I mean, over the years, there's been so many different things that I've wanted to do and we've kind of found a new goal. And I mean, there's things like, I mean, I did a weightlifting competition when we first started together. I've done multiple triathlons working together. I've done like high level competitive CrossFit events with like, so like, you don't, what I'm trying to get as I the individuals you work with aren't all CrossFit Games athletes, but again, each individual can, with the right plan, get to eventually what they want to do. I mean, of triathlon, uh, weightlifting event, uh, high level competitive CrossFit event. Like, it's not all CrossFit Games athletes you're working with. Yeah, man. I mean, I will say you you definitely have have challenged me in that regard, <laughs> which is great. No, it's I love it because it it, it keeps me. Uh, you know, working to become better too, because there's, there is a lot of carryover in, in, you know, from different sports to CrossFit and from CrossFit to other different sports. But, uh, you know, each one has their own nuances. And so, uh, to have to, to focus on that requires, you know, me to make sure I truly understand the demands of the sport. And then, um, you know, there are some underlying physiologic, um, things that, that kind of carry across, you know, everything. But, um, it's been a lot of fun to kind of work with you through those different, uh, different uh, events and different types of, of uh, endeavors. Uh, but you're right. We don't have all high level crossers, right? I would yeah. say that's actually probably a, a small portion. And if you think of people who are like really trying to go for, for the games, a lot of it is, um, you know, we have a lot of look good, feel good, um, want to move good, uh, be happier with their lives. We need to reduce some stress, yeah. um, that kind of client too. Um, and then we do end up getting a lot of runners because especially on the PT side, we get a lot of runners in clinic who, uh, you know, they're, they don't have, um, the, you know, most structured strength conditioning background. So they aren't doing the resistance training that they probably should be doing. Their running volume is probably a little too high and maybe they have some, some running mechanic issues that we want to work on too. And, and so we end up working with a lot of runners there. Um, and then we get a lot of cross people who were maybe in cross the dead move towards weightlifting, like you mentioned, uh, uh, because they find that they, they love that sport. And, and so, uh, it's been fun to, to work with some some weightlifting only athletes too, so uh, we are lucky to, to get to work with a wide range. Uh, I would say my personal passion is I still love the sport of fitness um, and still love CrossFit, uh, but it definitely helps me as a CrossFit coach to better understand a lot of those other events and a lot of the things that go into those. Um, because, like you mentioned, when you're going for you know the CrossFit Games, those higher level uh, you know higher level competitions, you're going to have elements of a lot of different things. Mm. And so, being able to understand how to develop someone for that will help you in the preparation for it. So uh, it's been fun to, to get to help people with all these different types of endeavors. For me personally, it's just trying to avoid burnout is huge for me. It's like when you train for, I mean, CrossFit for so long, like you need, you need to like dive in and do different directions to like keep my like love for the sport of fitness alive. I think I have to diverge and like maybe try, uh, try a triathlon or do a weightlifting competition or even like, you know, perform in a ballet, like things like that. Like they, they keep me coming back to CrossFit with like a good mindset and a good kind of attitude towards it. Do you feel like sometimes competing at CrossFit year round is like good for athletes, bad for athletes? Like tell me your uh, thoughts around burnout of the sport. Oh yeah, man. I think first and foremost, people should know that I was not responsible to help you with the ballet. Um, that, uh, <laughs> that is an area of expertise that I do not possess. So, um, the, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad you had other people to help you in, in that endeavor. Um, but, uh, it was you know, tough for right, them Andy. too. It was a tough <laughs> task, brother. <laughs> well, the, um, the interesting thing about the sport of CrossFit is it's, it's, I guess weightlifting probably falls in this regard and some of those other very specific sports, uh, the training and the competition looks so much alike. And that's unique relative to more traditional sports and team sports. You know, if you're playing, you know, football, you play your 16 game season or, or, you know, if you're in the NFL or if you're in college or, pay, or high school, you're playing, you know, less games than that most likely. Um, when you're done with your season, you're not immediately back onto the football field. You're not running, you know, routes necessarily or in seven on seven or, or doing any kind of specific drills. A lot of times it's back into building more of the foundation that you need to. It's back in the gym. It's getting stronger. It's, you know, doing those type of things. It's getting healthy. Uh, and there's this, this off, true off season. And, um, that's in most sports. Um, but the sport of fitness, 
you know, there really doesn't seem to be a lot of an off season for people. And so uh, it ends up being, a, you know, almost more of like a competitive type of vibe all year round. So the open would end and people would be right back into jumping into local comps or you would see people finish the game. And then, you know, before you know it, they're having to get back around and do this qualifier for this event or whatever it might be. And, and it's even more so now with the sanctional schedule, yeah. um, you know, there's maybe two months where, uh, you know, out of the year where something big isn't happening, you know. And so that makes it a little bit more difficult and a little bit more prone to something like burnout because there really isn't that variety or that change of pace that you see in other sports. You know, you know if you're somebody like, in, you know, going from in-season, um, you know, in-season baseball player and you go into the off-season, you know, it's, it's actually back into the weight room where during the season probably didn't spend near as much time in the weight room. It's building that more aerobic phase possibly prior before going back and doing more sprint type work. There's like, there's so many, uh, you know, different things that you can do year round. And then eventually you go through those different phases of an off-season and then more of a pre-competition phase and then back into a competition phase. So I think from the, to prevent burnout with something like the sport of fitness, um, even though there's variety, quote unquote, from the actual movements used, the whole unknown and unknowable, I think a lot of it is, is really more of uh, having those same structured, um, you know, seasons, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of better words, and actually going into a real office, having a time where I'm not really worried about what my, my friend time would be or how, how well I could perform touch and go um, power snatches and burpees. I'm going to focus on getting as strong as I can or building up my aerobic base and long, slow, easy type work. And then I'll get back into that kind of stuff at a later time point in time after I've built more of this base. And I think that a lot of times we don't ever go back into kind of those phases of training mm. and it becomes right. It, you know, we go right back into, um, you know, preparing for a qualifier or getting ready for this event and then doing this event. And it just becomes a series of, tapering and then doing a competition small deload you know prep taper small competition deload prep taper small competition deload over yeah. and over and over and that, again that wears and, on yeah. you man that wears i mean that wears yeah. on me personally yeah. yeah and it also limits progress in my opinion because mm. you're not taking the time to really put those different blocks of the foundation in place you know if you think about it from like if you're trying to build a pyramid you know your your height is limited by how big the base is you know and if you can build a a bigger base from, you know, you know, getting stronger and, you know, in, in the more classic list, getting, you know, more enduring by focusing on, you know, long, slow, easy aerobic pieces and building, you know, those systems first. When you come back to trying to, you know, you know, implement more of what we consider classic CrossFit, you're in a better position to, you know, perform and develop that system later on. So by having kind of those different phases of training and, and maybe reducing the amount of classic CrossFit that you're doing in certain times of the year, um, you can actually end up building a wider foundation there and end up performing better in the long run. And I think that's when I get a lot of people that come to me that aren't making progress. It's because they've never really gone through those phases. They've just, you know, yeah, they've done a squat cycle, you know, quote unquote, because they need to get stronger. They did, you know, I don't know, um, you know, everybody's doing squat over now or they're doing, um, <laughs> you know, the small off or whatever they're doing. Yeah. They do their squat cycle, but they're also doing, you know, tons of wall ball thrusters, burpees, chest bar pull ups, double unders all with it, too. Yeah. And they're wondering why they're not getting a ton out of the squat cycle. And it's like, well, you know, we were really trying to do this. We would be focusing on that squat cycle, maybe some easy aerobic work, and that would be it. And yeah. we would be eating a lot, and we'd be trying to get strong as we can. Well, it's and kind of we'll sometimes it's counterintuitive for people to do less to get more. Like especially the com- like conventional CrossFit mindset is like, do more, do yep. more, go faster, like keep doing all the volume, like blah blah blah. Like they want more. They think yep. more is more, and it's very counterintuitive to tell someone like, hey to go further, you're going to have to slow down. Like that's a, that's a, mm-hmm. a conversation I have with a lot of athletes and it's very hard for them to grasp. But like, sometimes you got to slow down to, to go forward. Yeah, man. I, that's a, that's a great way to look at it too. I think people see the volume that some of the more elite athletes do. And they, so they assume that's what's necessary. And, at that point, yeah, they're gonna it's gonna need to be a lot of volume put in. But to get to that point, it's not necessarily about how much you're doing. It's more about what you're doing and how much you're doing to support that work mm-hmm. and making sure you're not detracting from it. So, uh, you know, I think that's that's a huge thing for people to 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 try to understand and grasp. And a lot of times, you know, I actually want them to be reducing people's volume when they start with me from what they were doing before. Um, you know, if you think about it from like. You know, if your body had, you know, if, if you think about it from like, a, you know, a money perspective or like currency and adapting, 
if you're throwing a million things at your body at the same time, you're squatting, you're doing aerobic pieces, you're doing CrossFit stuff, you're doing whatever it is all at the same time, and you have a finite amount of money, like um, I've heard, uh, I think it was Kyle Root called adaptation currency, and it's if you have this finite amount of adaptation currency, your ability to adapt to something, you're just going to be putting a little bit towards everything, and you're not really going to be growing those pots at all because you're not able to really devote a lot of your resources to it. So for me, if I'm really trying to get stronger, I need to make sure that that is the big focus. I can put everything I can towards that and I'm not detracting from it by doing all of these other things that are also competing for resources. Yeah. So uh, that's a really simplistic view of it. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you might not want to be doing, you know, really heavy breathing stuff that leaves you laying on the floor afterwards, staring up at the fan thinking that was hard when you're also trying to build maximal strength. Definitely. This uh, is definitely so, my say yeah. it louder for the people in the back moment of this, yes, of right. this podcast. Yeah, it's it's yeah. tough to grab, though. You know, yeah. it's tough. It's, and we come from that, you know, again, it's not necessarily what you see on Instagram all the time because, you know, that's not the the sexy stuff, man, you yeah. know, being in the gym, just hitting your squat work and then, you know, doing a little bit of some accessory work and going home and, and, and making sure that your, your meals are prepping, getting extra sleep. You know, people don't want to think of that as like what they have to do because it's not the stuff that looks cool on, on social Definitely. media. So, um, but that's honestly, that's what's needed a lot of time. So I listened to a, a recent episode of your podcast, the better faster podcast, and you talked about how to get your first pull up which I think that this demographic of our audience needs to hear like a brief synopsis of that episode. If you could give us like a two to three minute like clip of that, what do you think, what do, what can people do or start to implement now to get their first strict pull up? Oh man. Uh, yeah. So there's the first <laughs> thing you have to think about when you think about the pull up too, is there is a strength to weight ratio that is involved here. So you have to be honest and evaluate yourself. Do I need to get stronger or is there also a component of uh, a possibly need to clean up my diet and maybe lean out too? Because that is something that's underrated there is there is a body weight component to this. We are pulling up our, our body weight there. So a lot of times too, when somebody comes to me, they want to get a strict pull up. Yes, we're doing, we're structuring the program the way that they need to. But we're also going to try to clean up some things from a nutrition standpoint too. So uh, be, you know, be thinking about that um, a little bit as we go through it. But when you think about from actually building the right strength there, uh, you know, to be able to get strong enough for this. Um, for me, um, I'm not a huge banded pull-up guy. Um, mm. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that is a, uh, you know, one thing I know that will raise some eyebrows there. And again, I don't think banded pull-ups are, you know, the worst thing in the world, but I don't love the aspect of having unequal assistance at different points throughout the lift or throughout the movement. I'd rather see something that was a little bit more consistent. So for me, I like to use things more about like lat pull downs or things that if we have our Gravitron or, or if you have access to those type of things to be able to have more of a consistent level of assistance throughout the movement if possible. Um, I think that that's a little bit more effective. Um, and that's a way to unload the movement and then, uh, you know, progressively load it over time. Yeah. But I think, you know, we can also do some things where we actually do some isolated lat work. So, um, when we think about, you know, building up our lats, there's a couple ways we can do that. Um, the most effective ways for me is I like doing, you know, bent over rows, like single arm dumbbell rows or kettlebell rows, but adding a band that actually has like a, a slightly different, uh, you know, angle of force there. It's hard to describe um, on, uh, on the pot. You, you put it on, you put it on your Instagram. Yeah. It's on uh, Vertex yeah, Strength yeah, yeah. Instagram. Check that out too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so stuff like that to where you're making the lat work a little bit harder. You can also do like, um, you know, you can do with a band or a cable, more like a wide grip pull down or kind of a lat pullover. There's a lot of, you look up weight to train your lats. That's oftentimes an area that needs to be brought up for individuals. There's nothing wrong with adding some bicep curls. Dude, to your I was program. getting ready to ask uh, you yeah. that. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there is nothing <laughs> wrong with that too. I mean, you're basically trying to strengthen the musculature that's involved. And then in an area when I would put the band in would be to kind of, learn kind of more of like actually controlling that movement itself. So actually getting you into that full movement pattern. So if you didn't have a lat pull down, a Gravitron, something to go through the movement, um, you know, the actual movement in a more unloaded fashion, using a band to at least understand more of the skill of mm -hmm. it and the positioning of it is, is good, but I wouldn't make that like your primary goal or, or primary method for getting strong enough to do a pull up. Um, and eventually once you can control your body weight um, enough, we want to move into things like negatives. I think yeah. negatives can be great because, um, you know, we know that, that eccentric loading, um, that slow lowering where your, your muscle is actually lengthening under tension is a great way to build size and strength. And so that's going to be a way for us to, to, 
kind of get that last little bit strength getting into the pull-up. So I think for me, it's build up the lats, build up the biceps, get your grip nice and strong too. Those are things that everybody can do. Mm. Um, if you have an, a way to unload the actual movement, either be, via a graviton, a lat pull-down, or even like a toe-assisted pull-up where you're only providing mm. the necessary assistance um, through your feet um, as needed. Um, and then you could use a band to help groove the pattern, yeah. but I wouldn't make the gra- the band like your main focus yeah. and then get into some negatives. Lately, I've been favoring a band. So let's say we hang in a green band from the rig and throwing a PVC pipe, having a seat. And now, mm-hmm. we ha- now you have your lap pull down. You have that full range of motion. You're yeah. getting, you're going through all those ranges, but now we're just kind of switching it up a little bit. Yeah. Great. That's another great option. If you don't have a lap pull down and you're basically kind of using what you got around you. Mm. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, man, you work on your hollow body positioning yeah. be developing stuff on the floor and be working on you building up your active hang strength and then transitioning to active hangs while in a, a hollow position active hangs with hollows and arches and learning how to control your body on the ground but then also controlling that position on the bar and that's going to help not only when you as you get into strict pull-ups but then eventually if you have a goal of progressing into something more from like a kipping variety then now you've kind of already built some of those um, positions you're going to need um, and so you can attack it from so many different angles. Um, but for me, a lot of times it's get strong and then, you know, maybe work on leaning out a little bit and, and yeah. it would be as simply as I can put it. That's perfect because a lot of our audience is, is in that, in that bucket of trying to either develop the strict strength to do a strict pull up or do some kipping pull ups, chest to bar muscle ups. And that applies and can increase strength in all of those movements as well. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I think it's, yeah. I'm going to work your uh, physical therapist brain a little bit. So if I have 10, maybe 15 minutes before a class, before my workout, what do you think the f- like top three things I should target like mobility wise or like what should, what should I warm up the most knowing that I'm a normal sedentary human? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I would be, you know, I would say number one for me, this isn't everybody, but oftentimes uh, when I get people in clinic and they're having some other issues going on, a lot of times when I go through a full movement assessment, we end up having to work on their ankles. Mm. Um, you know, their ankles end up being a, a, an issue for a lot of people. It's one of those things if you don't have full ankle range of motion and you're trying to hit, you know, deep squats and that kind of thing, uh, oftentimes something upstream is going to take uh, some of the brunt of that. So I'm the ankle me, guy at, tired, at Fury. I'm yeah. the ankle guy that's always yeah. working ankles. Like, why do you always love the ankle? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's true. Seriously, though, if you have good ankle range, it helps you get into a little bit of a better position. Um, and when you get into that better position, it kind of takes some stress off elsewhere. So I would say ankle is number one. Um, and then for me, a lot of times it's it, um, you know, unlocking some of that end range overhead, right? You know, that, that seems to be a little bit of an issue for a lot of people. Like they come in like, oh, you know, they, when they go overhead, uh, they, I, I see them compensating somewhere else, either through their lower back or their rib cages flaring a little bit as they go overhead because they don't have that full shoulder flexion up overhead. So for me, I love, um, you know, trying to, to load that, to open that up. So um, I think um, what I would call like a, a, a lat eccentric where they're, you know, essentially a way to describe this would be imagine you're laying on a bench and you've got your, your feet up in the air, your legs up in the air. So you're kind of like 90 degrees at your hip and 90 degrees at your knee, almost like a dead bug position. Mm-hmm. And you're holding a PVC pipe up in front of you. So basically, you know, people can think of a dead bug. That's where you are. And maybe you have a light weight over the, um, over the PVC pipe. And we're slowly lowering that back over our head. So letting gravity and the weight pull into that overhead position while we maintain a good torso position. So yes. I think that's a good one to hit. There's definitely or, a video you know, out you, there of this. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll steal it and maybe post it up with your episode. <laughs> yeah, that one I think is great. It's one of my favorite overhead openers too, or just a classic prayer stretch because mm. it helps get the, if you've been sitting all day, helps get the T-spine moving a little bit, helps loosen up the lats. So uh, you know, a prayer stretch. So if I'm saying I open up the ankles a little bit, I open up my overhead a little bit, that's probably like if you only have a few minutes, yeah. You know, you hit those two things, it's going to help you get into better positions and everything you're going to have to do in that class. That was going to be my uh, the, my next question is for my people that have a horrible front rack position. Besides that prayer stretch, what would you recommend? The best like front rack opener? Oh, man. Yeah. So this, as, as bad as it sounds, the best position for the front rack oftentimes is just spending time in the front rack. Can you say um, that again? Please say that again. Yeah. Please say that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely not the, the sexy answer, but the best front rack position is oftentimes just spending time in the front rack with some load. So getting a barbell and actually spending time in that position. A lot of times what I'll have people do is they, if that position is super, super uncomfortable for them, I'll actually have them put 
you know, a barbell with like, I'm talking a ton of weight. I'm talking like, but maybe put like 315 in the bar, something you're not actually going to lift up, getting under the bar while it's in the rack, into that position to where maybe you're not exactly on your shoulders or not intensely on your shoulders, and then actually start to push up into the bar. Because then you can grade the amount of tension that you're creating or amount of load that you're feeling versus having the bar on your shoulders. And it is, if it's 135 pounds, it's 135 pounds. This is a way for you to get into that position and then push up into the bar while already in a good position. And then you can kind of grade the intensity of it. So I think that's not a bad way to do it. Um, there are some great partner variations too, where people can help you get, uh, get up into that position. Um, but honestly, a lot of times for me, it's just the person's doesn't have a lot of experience in that position because it's not necessarily a natural position well, we're and in it, every and day. And it hurts them. It's yeah. kind of a little bit painful, yeah. so and they avoid that. Yeah. Well, if you think about it from, you know, for me, it's also, it, you know, I look forward from trying to individualize everything. It's figuring out what you what your limitation is. You know, a lot of people complain that their, their wrists don't feel good, but usually it's not actually the wrist. The wrist is just taking the brunt for something else. But if you have a wrist limitation, it would be focused on your wrist. If you can't touch your, if you know, if you're not able to get your knuckles to your shoulder, um, in terms of like you put your elbow up and you, um, you know, like a front rack position and you try to, you know, basically flex your elbow as much as possible. If you can't touch your, your knuckles to your shoulder, then maybe we need to do a little bit of work there. If you can't do, uh, if you can't get your hand outside your shoulders from like, um, I know there's a video on our Instagram of some external rotation, you know, uh, is, could be a limiter. You know, that would be where I would start. But the kind of catch all is either the prayer, that prayer stretch or just get in the front rack. Yeah, I like that answer because I pre- like that's something I say all the time. I was like, well, the, I mean, the best position is getting in that position. And people are like, oh, I don't know, man, my wrist is going to break. That's my favorite. Yeah. And that's why I like using like where they put the bar in the rack with a bunch of load on it and they can kind of grade the intensity of it. Because then they don't have to push so hard that it is like super, super painful. It can be something where it's like, okay, I get into the perfect position and I just push up into the bar as much as I can tolerate. Yeah. Um, and then over time, it becomes hopefully a little bit more more comfortable. Uh, but yeah, the front rack position can be tough for people. I think also playing around with grip, you know, uh, you know, for me, I end up going a little bit uh, wider because I don't have a ton of elbow inflection from a from a baseball injury so i have to go a little bit wider to be able to use more external rotation just because that's more comfortable so you can you can play around with your your grip position too yeah i think that's huge for people is is just knowing that they can they can work that position and not like hurt themselves it's like yeah Yeah. you need to be in there to get better at it (laughs) yeah exactly it's uh, it's, that's one of those things where it's like the bottom of the squat too if you have you know you know if you a lot of times my my Remedy for the bottom of the slot too is like unless there's like a severe limitation somewhere, it's like we just got to learn to spend more time down there. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, either hold on to a pole and sitting down there doing some some sit squats down there or, or pausing or whatever it is. It's like you know we just got to get comfortable in some of these positions that our, our body necessarily isn't used to. Yeah. And the front rack is definitely one of those. So Josh, you are definitely one of my like sources of information. Like when I'm wondering something or need something, like I go to you and ask you, but who are your go-to like sources of knowledge? So for our coaching demographic here that listens to this podcast, like what are good sources of information that you go to? Oh man. Um, well that, that's, uh, you know, definitely a loaded question because there's so many, um, you know, amazing, uh, you know, people out there that put out so much great info and we're lucky in this day and age that we, uh, have access to so much info. Um, so, you know, when I think about, you know, from a coaching perspective, um, I, you know, I've gone through a lot of the, um, the OPEC stuff. Um, so I'm definitely, uh, you know, a fan of what they put out from like a individual design and programming perspective. So I have to give them a shout out because I've gone through, um, you know, I've gone through a lot of that stuff and that's been a big part of my development. Um, I also, you know, follow a lot of things that, you know, you know, some amazing people in the field put out. So, you know, I'm following the stuff that TTT puts out, I'm following the stuff that, um, you know, Ben Bergeron's putting out that, that yeah. DJ over in Invictus is pushing out, putting out. There's so many great people that, that put out a ton of content for free too, which is awesome that people are willing to do that. So, um, you know, I would say find some good coaches that you really respect and that you, uh, you know, you think that they know what they're doing and, and try to, you know, learn from them. You know, I would say, you know, again, maybe, you know, we try to do that too on our Instagram stuff to start putting more content out. We're trying to get better about that. Um, I think, uh, looking, you know, again, we're, if we're going to be working in the sport of CrossFit, we need to also, you know, look at what they have available too. So, you know, I think 
for me, you know, going through that level two process and learning, you know, they're focused on learning how to really be a great coach. If you're trying to be the best coach possible, that was one of my favorite courses um, was going through that. That was an awesome opportunity there too. And they, you know, they send out a lot of free uh, info too. Um, and then for me, a lot of my development right now is in the PT stuff. So I'm focused yeah. on, on learning from a lot of movement experts. So guys like uh, Zach Long, the barbell physio, puts out some great movement stuff. Um, that is the, you know, by Carter, far the, yeah. the, the the Instagram I steal most of my stuff from. Like Zach Long, <laughs> yeah. like if, if you listen to this, brother, like thank you. Like I love his Instagram because it's simple. He doesn't try to like dress it up. It's not like super sexy, but it is pretty damn mm-hmm. good material. Yeah, no, I get a ton from, you know, you know, Zach, I was lucky enough to have Zach as a clinical instructor during PT school. So that was, that was an awesome 12 week experience. And so I use a ton of stuff from him and there, I, I try to find those PTs that are also, you know, strength coaches and kind of do a little bit of both and, and, and see what they're putting out because they tend to have a good grasp of like, okay, well, what are the movement demands necessary? And this is how we're going to address those. Um, but then, you know, I like to look into, you know, other things about how to, you know, create behavior change and how to connect with people and, and that kind of stuff too. So, um, there, there's some great resources out there too. And honestly, the, I'm going through right now, the precision nutrition stuff right now. And it, it it's great because it's kind of a combination of both. It's a great place to learn a little bit more from a I just started that course too. But yeah, bro. Yeah. It's dude, super awesome. earthy, isn't it? The first, I'm in yeah. the unit. I'm like, man, this sounds like, like Joey wrote this. Like who wrote yeah, this? Exactly. Joe, yeah. Joey writes. But yeah, it's a lot about like behavior change and, and really making that connection and trying to find, you know, meet somebody where they are and really understand, you know, what, you know, what they're going through and trying to learn how to empathize with that individual. And there's, there's a ton of that kind of stuff out there too. So I think, you know, from a coaching perspective, you have to figure out what area are you the, the weakest in, um, cause mm-hmm. we all have weaknesses and then how, how can I find, you know, in the right kind of information to help bring that up? Um, so you, you can't go wrong. The biggest thing is the first step is making realizing that you need to keep learning. Yeah. Um, and that's the more it. I learn, the more I realize I need to keep learning. Yes. So, um, I think that's a, a huge part of it is just, you know, dedicating time each week to becoming better. Put it in your calendar. This is, you know, even put it in there, like get better, like whatever you want to put it in there. And it's like, that's your time that you have blocked out every week where you're going to do something to help you get better and identifying what area you want to focus on next. Yeah, that's, that's definitely important. I think people lose that through time. Like they just get, they get bogged, bogged down with life or whatever's going on and with them. And like, I feel like if you, like, I think I spoke on this better faster. Like if you're not constantly learning and taking in information, you're getting worse as a coach. So yeah, mm-hmm. even, I even like your idea of just like, Hey, make the, make time for you, like make that time for you to do yeah. anything. I mean, that could be even like, going around YouTube and like looking at YouTube videos or it doesn't have to be like sitting down and like super reading a book that you can barely understand some of the verbiage. It could be very practical. It can be, I mean, YouTube, it can be articles, it can be blogs. It can like, it's different. The, the way I learn is different too. Cause sometimes I'm auditory. Like I put, I put a podcast on and I can learn through that. Like there's all these different facets and all these different like kind of categories and different buckets that, that you can still learn from and for forever. We're talking to the most educated man I know and he's still talking about, yeah, I need to know more stuff. So it never ends. Like it never ends. Yeah, no, learning is definitely a lifelong process, man. And I think um, prioritizing that is, uh, is is huge, man. And I think for me, you know, we all get busy. You know, I'm, I know I, I <laughs> Yeah, I you're to preaching to the choir, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, so like for me, I know I have to like actually in my calendar block out time for that because if I don't, it will get lost in the shuffle because mm. there's always something else that I could be or need to be doing. Um, and so if I don't have it actually in my calendar, you know, I, I run the risk of not you know, becoming the best that I can be. So, you know, I have set times a week where I go over certain things. I have a time of the week where it's nutrition focused and I have a list of uh, resources I'm going through. I have a time of the week for PT. I have a time of the week where, uh, for, for programming, I have a time of the week for more like, you know, movement and that kind of stuff where I'm, I'm trying to, to expand my knowledge in that area or right now it's, it's diving in deep with the Olympic list. So it's like, there's, you got to set that time aside and kind of structure what you're doing and then, uh, you know, go after it a hundred percent like you would anything else. There's definitely uh type A people and you're definitely that, but I think you're like type A plus, 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 like you're <laughs> above type A in a whole nother category, but in the best way possible. I mean that lovingly. So Josh, <laughs> we usually, that, <laughs> uh, we usually try to end these with like words of wisdom or like say something that you think someone needs to hear. And that could be through physical therapy. That could be through training, could be through life. Like, what do you think that the people 
out here need to hear more of? Oh man, well I think the I, I may have said it earlier, and I, I, so I might try the second one. But the uh, the your line that that I always feel, uh, they, you know, they don't care how much you know until you know how much you care is, is probably number one there if you're a from the coaching side. But if you're a an athlete or or somebody too, just um, man, um, I guess I would say just remember you're not fragile. You know, and I think that's something too in the PT world that I get people that come in that think they're broken, that think they've been told by this person and that person that they got this wrong with that thing. And just remember, like you are, you're not fragile. You are resilient. You can handle a lot, and and you can get better in whatever your situation is. I know that's very more PT related too. No, but no, I have we to need deal that. with that. A, I have to deal with that a ton, man. People come in and they had this physician tell them that you know this disc is out and this is going on and. And, you know, oh, they came in and told me that my knee looks like it's 80 years old. And it's like, remember, <laughs> like, you you are not fragile. Like, we can we can get better and we can get strong and we can get you back doing what you want to do. Yeah. Um, but I think that applies to everything. It's like resiliency is huge. You just remember, it's like, you can always do a little bit more than you think you can. Yeah, I like that. Well, Josh, man, you're a great friend. You're a great coach, uh, a great, well, future physical therapist, man. We just want to thank you for having, having uh, coming on the episode and just chatting it up, man. I think it was super casual. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's always fun. Anytime I get to chat with you, I miss having you, uh, having you in Columbia and getting to see you, you know, 30 plus hours a week. So, uh, well, this anytime one, we get to chat, yeah, it's always a good time. This one's filled with knowledge for all types of people. So we've had doctors, we've had, uh, you know, different, we have midwives and doctors, but I'm gonna put you in that category. This is definitely an info, <laughs> info saturated episode, but again, thank you. Uh, and hopefully I'll be, uh, back on the East coast a little soon to see you. Yeah, man, definitely that, or I got to make my way back out there. I need, uh, it's starting to get a little bit chillier here now. So, I mean, I might need to make a, a trip out there. Hey, dude, you could always come do uh, spring training again for the Reds. Dude, I'm going to have to, man. <laughs> we, uh, it'll be another another year where I go get my hopes up in spring training and then come back and uh, end up disappointed. But maybe maybe next year's the year. Yeah, always next year's the year for the Reds. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we well, appreciate it. I'm just going to hit this red button and cut this episode off. Sounds good, man. It's way too dumb, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the hymn. Throw that to the side, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah, when you're not around, when you throw that to the side, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time.